Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm Stacey Francis, your host. And today, we're going to be talking about something that you may not think is sexy, but by the end of our conversation, you will be intrigued. And I can guarantee that you're going to walk away with more knowledge than you ever thought possible about all things health insurance and Medicare. Before you stop the podcast, I want to tell you why this is so important. The number one cause for bankruptcy, well, it's medical bankruptcy. If that didn't convince you, one of the biggest struggles older women have is paying for their medical costs. And guess what? They're only going up. And as women, our medical expenses tend to be greater than our male counterparts. But if you have the right health insurance, if you have the right Medicare program in place, you can protect yourself. Because we have seen over and over again the demographics that individuals who have access to high quality medical services live much longer and much healthier lives. And that's what Danielle Roberts, our guest today, is going to be talking to us about. She is a health insurance and Medicare expert. She is the co-founder of Boomer Benefits, which is a insurance agency that helps individuals navigate Medicare and health insurance in 48 states. She also is the author of the best-selling book, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Cannot Afford to Make. I'm excited to have her here today. And I know that it's going to give you so much information that you're going to be able to make good decisions, not only now about your health insurance, but for the rest of your life. And make sure that you stay to the end because she gives a few resources that you can use to make this easy and effortless starting today. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce our guest today, Danielle Roberts. So thank you for being here, Danielle. I'm really excited to talk to you today about a topic that should be on everyone's mind as they're going through the divorce process and coming out. And that is health insurance and eventually Medicare and what that looks like. But before we do that, I'd love to hear your story. I mean, did you think that you were going to become a health insurance and Medicare expert when you were a little girl? Or, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. How did you find yourself in this field? Yeah, I always like to say no one sits through their, you know, high school career counseling class and says, you know, someday I want to be an insurance agent. <laughs> it's not the most sexy career that you can imagine, but it is very useful and needed in lots of places. So, I came from a staffing background, uh, worked in the business for about 10 years under an amazing entrepreneur from whom I learned lots of things. And then I got an insurance license and I liked the idea of selling insurance because it is something that helps people. 
you can take something difficult, make it easier for them. So there's that little glow aspect of a career that's fulfilling. And also you can start a business from your home. You don't have things on a shelf that are going to spoil. It's a product that you can learn and build your business at your own pace. So I originally started with group and individual health insurance. So I know a lot about those topics as well. But where we got into the Medicare was a lot of our women in their 40s and 50s, some of them business owners, would be our client and then call back later and say, hey, you know, my parents are turning 65 and I'm trying to figure this Medicare out. Nobody could figure this out. It's totally confusing. Do you guys do that? And we heard that several times before I thought, well, maybe I should look into what's just so confusing about Medicare. And of course, it's ridiculously confusing with too many parts and pieces moving all over. I know. And if you say that, Danielle, then we all know it's very confusing. (laughs) Of course it is. And so please feel like you're not alone. And we just become experts because we've been doing it for 15 years and because there's so many baby boomers aging in. And we have lots of people too that are, you know, they get into the 40s and 50s and they make a career change and they don't always have insurance for their new job. So um, there's uh, great help available for all of that out there today. And we can sort of simplify a little bit of that insurance and make it less scary for people. So why don't we split up our conversation between the under age 65 health insurance and then above or approaching age 65 and Medicare and what those options are. So a woman who is going through a divorce one of her top concerns is health insurance. And it could be, do I stay on his health insurance? Or maybe she has her own health insurance. Do the kids go on my insurance? Do mm-hmm. they go on his insurance? Lots of questions. So let's talk about the scenario of right now, she's covered under his health insurance. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah there's going to be a divorce. When does she need to look for coverage and what are her options? So we're very lucky today that if you are in a divorce situation and you have your own coverage through your job and you leave his coverage, you have a special election period to enroll in your group coverage. So even if it's not the open enrollment that you go through each year through your HR department, In the middle of the year, a divorce is a qualifying event for you to join your own coverage. And typically, if you have that option, it may be the best option because you have the um, employer contributing a large portion of the cost of that insurance, and it makes the insurance affordable for you. And then if you're looking at children, you're going to want to run some numbers between those two coverages and determine which route they can go that is going to be the least expensive. So That means you're going to reach out to your benefits department and find out how much would it cost me per paycheck to add these kids. And they can give you a quote for that. And then you look and see, you know, which insurance model is best, not just for your budget, but also the needs of the children, right? So if one insurance has a lower deductible and you have one with a health condition that sometimes has a lot of spending, maybe paying a little more for one insurance that's got a better drug benefit or, you know, more a lower deductible so that you spend less out of pocket, you're going to want to run those numbers. And of, of course, a health insurance agent can help you do all of that and help you sort through and, and advise you on which way you can go. And then, of course, now, since the ACA legislation was passed, now we have healthcare.gov. And this is terrific because you're not losing insurance and going into a situation where, a situation where you have to qualify medically. You can leave 
employer insurance. And when you have no insurance, you can enroll at www.healthcare.gov. You're going to punch in your income information so you can determine whether you might qualify for a subsidy, which will help to make that insurance quite affordable. And then it'll give you a list of all the carriers and plans in your area, and you can shop for coverage there. So we're people who are divorcing are in a much better place now if they don't have access to coverage through their own employer or if they're not currently employed, they still can get affordable insurance through the healthcare exchange. And then you would have an opportunity to renew that insurance every year. Later, if you get a job that it does offer insurance, you can switch to your employer insurance, but you'll always know that you kind of have that as an option. Yep. And this is a tough question. I definitely don't know the answer and, and I'm hoping you would, but right now there are so many people that are not living where they normally live. Mm-hmm. So we're here in New York City and the number of people who are living in Pennsylvania, Vermont, Massachusetts, even Florida, and they're planning to be there for maybe another six months or more. When you're going to healthcare.gov and you're looking in your area, what do you do if you're living in a different state than where your normal residence is Mm -hmm. when it comes to getting that insurance? Yeah. So most of the time you're going to shop for a plan that is using your residential zip code where you live. And if you know that you're going to be spending time in another area outside that local network, you want to make sure that you don't choose an HMO plan. You want to choose a PPO because that's a preferred provider organization. And those plans have flexibility for you to use those benefits outside of your normal area. Now you're going to pay more when you do that. So something you will want to look at, of course, is whether or not it makes sense for you to declare a new address. You know, say I'm going to be living at this address and if it's going to be six months or longer, look at healthcare.gov using that zip code and see what the options are there. Are there plans that are more affordable or are they considerably more expensive? And that will help you make a choice of whether you want to basically declare a new address. And then of course, they're going to be looking at claims too. So if you have insurance in one area, but all your claims come from somewhere else, you may have the carrier question, well, where do you live? And so I would say if you're going to be somewhere else for a month or two, I wouldn't change it. But if it's going to be six months or longer, or it's one of those questions of we don't know how long, you might just want to move that address in your file and just say, when you're entering your information into healthcare.gov, this is going to be my home address for now. They also are going to look at what you have on file with the IRS though. So you've got to kind of, you'll be, it'll all be a matter of how long you're going to be in that situation. That makes sense. We just talked about the scenario where she you know, is getting a divorce and she might be on her husband's insurance. And so she moves to her own insurance through her employer and then decides, you know, where's the best place for the kids to get their insurance. What about the woman who either her employer doesn't offer health insurance or it's health insurance with no employer pay, meaning that it's minimal, if anything, or she's been at home? And so there's, you know, there's really no insurance available for her. So what are the options there, Danielle? So she definitely is going to want to start with the healthcare.gov website. If she doesn't have any other access to employer-provided coverage, then that's where you go and it's fine. If you have a divorce situation, you'll basically have two months to 
find a plan under the healthcare.gov, enroll in that plan. And even if you're unsure of the particulars, you're going to have an opportunity to change that plan every year in the fall during the open enrollment, which runs November 1st through December 15th. And so if you're feeling a little unsure and you're picking something and then you get on that coverage and, you're, and you don't love it, you'll have an opportunity to make a change to that plan in the fall. So start with your doctor's office, ask your doctor, hey, I'm looking for new insurance coverage. You know, which plans are you in the network with? That will help you narrow down the choices that you're going to be making because you're going to want to choose something where you will have access to that provider. And in some cities, we have a lot of health plan choices. And in other cities, we don't have a whole lot. So a good place to start is finding out which plans your doctor participates in. And then when you get ready to enroll in a plan, you always want to double check that. So when you're in the healthcare.gov portal, you can find links to get to the provider directories and you can just double check. Okay, Dr. Jones, he said he takes this plan. Let's make sure he's in this plan. Use that directory to confirm that he's in the network so that you don't get into a plan and then you're stuck in something where you can't see that doctor. And Danielle, are there concerns for individuals who have pre-existing conditions? Not anymore. So prior to the ACA, then yes, that would have been a big concern. But now you can join a health plan and your pre-existing conditions are covered right from the beginning. So there's no worry about that anymore, which is a huge relief for people that might be losing coverage and in a situation where they have a lot of health and medical usage. Yeah. Does it ever make sense for her to stay on her husband's insurance through COBRA? Mm -hmm. And before you answer it, can you talk a little bit about what is COBRA? What companies have this? Because it's not all companies either. Yeah. So in your state, if you have a loss of group health insurance coverage, and in this situation, it's not really through any fault of your own, it's through a divorce that's happening, you have an opportunity to enroll in and stay on that plan, usually for up to 18 months. And that coverage is the same exact coverage that you've had while you were on your husband's plan. The only difference is you're going to be paying the full price for that coverage. And so sometimes you may find that that coverage was really affordable when the company was contributing a piece of it to you. But now you're in a situation where it's not so affordable because you're paying the rate that the the employer was paying. And they can even add a 2% administrative fee on there. So it's going to come down to looking at prices. Now, if you're in the middle of a serious health condition, let's say you're treating for cancer or something like that. We do occasionally see that. Sometimes paying that extra amount is worth it just not to have to change and worry about provider changes in the middle of a major health event. But if that's not the situation, then you definitely want to compare the rates there with what you could get through the healthcare.gov. Because depending on your income level, if your income is, I think it's below something like 40000 I haven't looked at it recently. But you know, you may be in a situation where your income is that low because you've lost now his income. And that may qualify you to get a plan through healthcare.gov that's really inexpensive because a subsidy kicks in so much. And so it's certainly worth comparing that as opposed to the COBRA. And I want to make sure that we get to Medicare, but I have one last question. What's the range of premiums that you've seen? I'm sure it's all over, but just so that women can go in knowing that it could be potentially as low as blank, yeah. but it also could be yeah. X if I want a Lamborghini plan that's with leather cushions and (laughs) air conditioning and seat warmers. So you're going to have some contribution to the cost of the insurance if you get that subsidy. If your income is low enough, 
I have seen people in their 20s being able to get a plan for 50 or $100 a month because their income qualifies them for this great big subsidy from the federal government. And they choose a plan that has a mid to high range deductible. But even if you don't have a subsidy, you're going to have some control over the cost that you'll pay based on how much coverage you get. So a lot of times, if you're a little older, let's say you're in between 55 and 65 in that pre-Medicare eligibility, that's going to be the time in your life when the insurance is most expensive on the healthcare exchange because people as they age have more health conditions. The insurance companies know this and they increase those premiums accordingly. So a lot of times we see people in that situation will choose a pretty high deductible just to be able to afford the coverage and at least have copay benefits of the doctor and for prescriptions. So you'll have a whole range of prices in there, but we've seen people that have had, uh, even with a high deductible or that are paying, you know, $800 plus per month for coverage. So really, if you don't get a subsidy, it really can be expensive as you get closer and closer to Medicare age, at which then everything becomes a lot less expensive. And so that's a perfect segue to Medicare and Medicare typically kicking in at age 65. When do you start to look at the different plan options and Can you also talk then a little bit about the basic Medicare plan and then all the Medigap plans and Mm -hmm. and how you might navigate that? Yeah. So this is really important for people to hear. Even if you are several years out from Medicare, I always say I, I do plenty of webinars and seminars teaching Medicare. And I always say, you know, there should be a class at age 50 that people can sign up for to learn this because the things that you need to know when you learn them at age 64, it's sometimes too late. So what's really important for people to know is that even though you've been paying taxes out of your paychecks or your husband has all these years in these FICA taxes go to fund Social Security and Medicare, it only covers one portion of Medicare. So one of the things that we see people get wrong all the time is they, they're turning 65 and they're signing up and they are just dumbfounded to find that Medicare isn't free. They just have this vague idea of national health coverage out there waiting for them someday when they retire. And so if you don't learn that until you're on the cusp of retirement, you probably haven't saved enough money to be able to afford what Medicare will cost you during retirement. So it's really good to look at it in your 50s, get a handle on it, kind of a feel for what you can expect. And I could give you some of the general costs that you can expect here. So Medicare has two parts. Part A is your hospital insurance. Part B is your outpatient insurance, sort of like those old Blue Cross and Blue Shield plans back in the day. And the hospital insurance is what you will have already prepaid. So as long as you or your spouse have worked at least 10 years in your lifetime and paid into those benefits, which 99% of all people do, Part A will cost you nothing when you sign up for it at age 65. Part B, however, which is your outpatient coverage, currently in 2020, has a base premium of $144.60 per month. Now, that is about 10% of the average Social Security check. And then Medicare doesn't cover everything. So depending on your income, the minimum that you'll pay is that $144.60. Could be higher than that if you have an income over $87,000 as an individual filer. And so that's just the basics. And just like your current insurance where you pay a premium, but you also have cost sharing as you use those benefits, Medicare is the same. So when you go to the doctor under Medicare and you hand them your card, there's a deductible that you pay up front at the first part of the year, which is around $200 right now. And then after that, Medicare only covers 80%. 
you pay the other 20% with no stop loss. You pay it forever. So although that's not a big deal for a doctor visit or lab work, it's a huge deal if you have a chronic health condition and you need oxygen or dialysis or chemotherapy, that 20% could literally bankrupt you. And so it's really important that people know ahead of time, okay, I'm going to need this much for Medicare itself. And then I'm probably looking at some additional money out of pocket for a Medicare supplement, which sort of bolts onto the back of your Medicare card and pays some of those deductibles and co-pays and co-insurance that normally you would otherwise be responsible for. And so most people, when they get on Medicare, will either enroll in a Medicare supplement like that, or they could also go with what's called a Medicare Advantage plan where you choose a plan that's probably more similar to the group insurance that you've been on. The premiums will be lower, but you pay as you go along. You're gonna have co-pays for doctor, co-pay for hospital, and you will pay 20% on some things. The difference being you're using an insurance company that's private and local with a network, and they cap your expenses after a certain point each year. So you're gonna have a couple routes that you can go, but no matter which one you choose, there's going to be some spending. And you don't wanna find this out at 65 and say, oh my gosh, now I can't retire because I literally don't have enough money to pay for the health insurance during retirement, which I have seen many times. And I can also share with you that I have had the funniest clients who've come to me shortly after 65 who find themselves in a divorce situation because when their husband is finally at home all day, they literally can't stand him anymore. (laughs) And it makes me laugh every time. But I've heard this probably in the last 15 years that I've been doing this, I've had at least 10 to 12 women share with me that that was the breaking point when they had to be around them all the time. Here's what we're doing. And so you don't want to find yourself in that situation either. And you have planned for it jointly, but you didn't plan for what you would spend if you ended up single. So really good incentive to take an hour of your life, sit down and learn this stuff, you know, when you have some time and make sure that you're putting enough away so that you don't find yourself in that situation someday. Yeah. Well, in in the demographics and what we're seeing in in divorce and separation, more and more women in their 60s and 70s, and we're actually working with a client who's in her late 80s who's divorcing her husband. For them, if they haven't worked and they have not attained the 10-year working experience, I think it's 40, 40 quarters, can they still use Medicare even though they're divorced from their husband? Yeah. Yeah. So as long as they were married to him for 10 years, then they can qualify for the free Part A under his work history. Okay. And if you remarry, you only have to be married for one year to qualify for it under a new spouse. So there okay. are some opportunities there to still be able to get the Part A at no cost. So making sure when you, ha- if you do get remarried, just make sure that they have a work history of at least 10 years so that you get that. <laughs> yeah, that hold Medicare. out for that one more year if yeah. you need to. <laughs> I know you've got like all the boxes, you know, that most people have. Make sure that you have the health insurance. How many quarters have you worked? Have you worked 40 to be able yeah. to do that? But that that's really important because health coverage, health insurance is no joke. It's, you know, no joke. And it's something that can bankrupt you. And we've also seen study after study shows is that individuals who have access to good quality health care and health systems live longer, healthier lives. And you're going to have to unfortunately pay for it. And we as women, our medical costs are just, they're higher. Yeah. They're higher because we live longer. 
And so this is, it's such an important issue. I feel like a lot of people don't think it's a very sexy issue, but boy, boy, is it important. Really important too. And something else is that Medicare doesn't cover long-term care and women, we live longer than our husbands sometimes. And so there might come a day where you can't live on your own independently anymore and Medicare doesn't pay for that. So that's another consideration, which is long-term care. Yeah. My parents, I have helped them purchase long-term care insurance so that they can stay in their home for as long as possible someday if they need it. Just knowing, because I see it so often where people are surprised and they need assisted living and they don't have any funding for that. So that's another consideration and all the more important to be looking at these things as early as possible. And two other questions specifically about Medicare. You had mentioned in us preparing for today that October is Medicare month. FYI, I never knew that. Now now I know. Now I know. <laughs> Halloween I knew and I, Medicare, yeah. I, 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 they go right together. <laughs> I, knew I, liked, I knew I liked October for something. Oh, it's so funny. It's scary. Um, but why is it that then... Medicare has an annual election. Why is it in the fall? And if I recall correctly, often the election periods for corporate companies for their benefits also tend to be in the fall. Is there, are they kind of related or why does that number one happen in the fall? And God forbid what happens if you turn 65 in the spring? Yeah. So for corporations, I think a lot of time the open enrollment is the fall because they have set their benefits up to run January through December to match a fiscal year. So they like the benefits to be on a calendar year. And depending on when they started the company and where their fiscal year falls, if they can make it a clean year, that's often you're doing your open enrollment and your new benefits start January 1st. With Medicare, there are certain parts of Medicare where don't have any underwriting to get insurance. And the biggest part of that is the Part D drug plans. So original Medicare for 40 years didn't have any drug coverage at all for people outpatient. I had clients in 2005 spending $10,000 a year on expensive breathing or diabetes medicines. So when Part D rolled out in 2006, it was a huge, huge important update for Medicare and so necessary. But to get a Part D drug plan, there's no health questions asked. And so Medicare doesn't want people out there waiting until they get sick to join. So they create an election period, meaning you can only get into the plan at a certain time of year. So if you don't have a Part D drug plan, you risk that if you were to get sick in February, you would go a whole year with no drug coverage before you could have another election period to get in. And that incentivizes people to sign up before they need the insurance which is a regular part of insurance anyway, right? We, we don't wait till the attic is on fire before we buy homeowners coverage. Same thing with your drug coverage. So in the fall is when people can enroll in, change or disenroll from their drug plans, or if they are the people that chose that Medicare Advantage plan, the local private network plan, um, those plans also renew in the fall. So that's when you can change your coverage. And the second part of it is Medicare changes the benefits every year for Medicare itself. So the deductibles go up, the co-pays go up, sometimes coinsurance may go up on certain parts. And so the plans have to adjust to the new higher claims that they have to pay out because of that. And so you will get a, a packet in the mail in September from your drug plan carrier or your Medicare Advantage carrier, if that's the coverage you have. And it will say, 
glad you liked your plan this year. Here's what we're changing on it for next year. And so you may love the plan that you have, but if you don't look at that packet and find out that they're dropping one of your expensive diabetes meds for next year, you could potentially not know that until January when it's too late to change your drug plan. So they give you the annual election period so that it, after you get the sticker shock <laughs> from your annual notice of change and something in there you don't like, you can make a change during that election period to something else that's better. And a lot of times you get the renewal and you're fine with it. Nothing major changes and everything auto renews and it's great, but you always wanna check that and then make, that way you have the opportunity to use the election period for a change if there's something changing on your plan that's not a good for you. Makes sense. And you've taken something that's unbelievably complex and you've really simplified it, but I know that's because you're very skilled and that it really truly is complex. So where <laughs> do you. individuals go to get more information about Medicare? Where are the good websites out there? Because there's a ton of information out there. Yeah, It's extremely overwhelming. Do you have any favorite places? Yeah, I have some resources. So of course, Medicare runs a great site, medicare.gov. There's a wealth of information on there that you can find over, and you can Google almost any term. So if you were wondering if Medicare covers cataract surgery, you could type Medicare cataract surgery. And the first site that will come up will always be Medicare itself. And you can read the rules and regulations on what it covers. And Medicare, by the way, does cover everything that's medically necessary for the most part. So the coverage is actually really thorough. Also, our website is boomerbenefits.com. There's a ton of content on there. You can sign up for a Medicare 101 webinar that's free. There's an email course that you can sign up for where you get one email a day with a video in it of yours truly explaining one little piece so that by the end of the week, you have some knowledge there. YouTube is a great resource. We have videos there, but lots of Medicare videos on YouTube. So you could just go to YouTube and search Medicare or Medicare 101, and that's a great place. And if you've got some time though, I also have a new book out. It's 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. And that's a great place to start with some reading where you can go through and highlight and circle things. You might say to yourself, okay, this was really good foundational knowledge, but I'm still unsure about this one part. Great. Well, then that's something you could go and plug into YouTube and maybe you can find a video that further explains that. So some good resources, even if you've got a few years to go before yeah. you need Medicare, just a little bit of reading will really help to prepare you for some of the things that you know that you're going to have expenses for. And also maybe some peace of mind for you about what's going to be covered. People coming into Medicare with a health condition often worry about that, but Medicare has no pre-existing conditions itself. And so most of what you're going to read there is going to be very reassuring to you. And what if you're interested in this, you want to become educated, but you want to work with someone to help you through this process? Are there options with that? Yes, of course. So a Medicare insurance broker like Boomer Benefits is, a, is um, free help to you. It doesn't cost you anything to work with a broker. We contract with 30 carriers or so in every state. And when someone comes to us and has a question or they're turning 65 and they want some guidance, we can work with you one-on-one, -on -one, provide some of that training and everything right over the phone, send you some resources. And we can also then search through all the different companies offering plans in your area and help you narrow down on one that is affordable for you, that covers the things you need it to. And if you're choosing an Advantage plan, we make sure that your doctors are in the network and that it covers the drugs that you take. And so if you want to work with someone who kind of does all the heavy lifting, working with a Medicare insurance broker is very helpful and will take a lot of the stress out of it for you. Nice. And it's national, so anyone can use that. 
which is great. And can you share your contact information? And we'll be sure, sure to put this in the show notes as well. Okay. So we are boomerbenefits.com, super easy to find online. And in all of our social media, we are Boomer Benefits. We also, on our Facebook page, we have a huge following. And so if you go there, you will find a little box that says Medicare Q&A with Boomer Benefits. You can join there. That's our private Facebook group. It's free. And you can post your questions in there. And myself and my team will answer them for you. And even if you're someone that's never going to need Medicare, maybe you have TRICARE or you're using VA benefits, you're still going to have questions and we're happy to answer them for you. So that's a great place to go and get any lingering questions about Medicare answered after today. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for your time. I am amazed that in like 25 minutes, we got through everything that we did. But again, I say to everyone listening, this is really important information and Education is key. So we'll make sure that we put all of these links to healthcare.gov, to medicare.gov, to boomerbenefits.com, as well as we'll add a link to Danielle's book, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes That You Can Not Afford to Make. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your taking your time. And I know I learned a lot, so I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I learned so much from speaking with Danielle today. Everything f- that women need to know who are contemplating how to get health insurance after their divorce, whether they stay on their husbands, their own, getting new insurance, and understanding how to make sure that their kids have the coverage and support that they need. And I love how Danielle was also able to talk a little bit more about what we're all going to eventually need, and that's Medicare. And I agree, (laughs) Medicare is unbelievably complex, but Danielle did a great job of really breaking it down, breaking it down into smaller bite-sized chunks. And I do encourage you to look at the resources that we put in the show notes for you and reach out to her if you have more questions. And if you have questions about your overall finances and your investments, reach out to me. That's the best part of the work that I do. I love to talk with individuals and talk about what's important to you, your values, your goals, what you want to achieve, and answer concerns you might have about your investments, your portfolio. Is it going to be enough? Is it invested the right way? So reach out to us and we'll sit down and we'll walk through those things and we'll give you a vision into the future to let you know if you're on track or if you need to be doing a few things differently. And you can reach out to me by emailing Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com, or you can visit our website, and that's www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After. I love talking to you every other week. It's the highlight. It's the highlight of some of the work that I do. So please let others know that we are here as a resource. We are here to help. And most importantly, take care of yourself and treat yourself the way you deserve. And the first step is making sure that you're financially secure. Thank you. And we'll see you in two weeks.